You're listening to The College Loop, your number one podcast for Auburn sports, talking all things orange and blue every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. On today's installment of The College Loop, let the madness begin. We've got ESPN 106.7, host of On the Line, Jacob Goins, on the show, ready to talk some Auburn basketball, talk March Madness, and the Tigers' outlook going forward. We've got women's basketball and a WNIT appearance, hosting that at Neville Arena. Gymnastics, they're getting ready for the SEC Championship. Baseball and softball talk, a whole lot more. You don't want to go anywhere. You don't want to miss this show. So stay locked in right here to The College Loop. Hey, you know what to do. You're grown. You know what's right. 19, 16, I, don't, I never know exactly what those mean, but we're somewhere in that ballpark. It's 1 o'clock in the afternoon in Auburn, Alabama, and this place was lit. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Cards Loop Podcast, episode 36 of the Cards Loop Podcast. The Jalen Simpson episode, if you will. Tar can't really do a uh, the hand sign for that one because I would use all 10 of his fingers. <laughs> yeah, that works. Two well, uh, today, as we are, or tomorrow as we're recording this, uh, Auburn is looking to take on Iowa in the NCAA tournament. And before we get into that, I'm going to introduce my co-host, as always, Harrison Tar and Daniel Locke. Sorry for my voice. Uh, allergy season is kicking my ass. But Daniel, how you doing? Doing great. Ready to see Charleston beat the crap out of San Diego State tonight or tomorrow. Not sure when that game is, but looking forward to that upset because it is coming. Daniel, I I don't I don't hate that at all. I like Charleston a lot, and I'm ready to talk some some hoops. I'm ready for Providence to make their run to the Elite Eight, and uh, very very excited for that. For, but first and foremost, like you guys heard in the intro, we we teased it before when we first before we even came on the air. We've got ESPN 106.7's Jacob Goins, host of On the Line, here on the College Loop talking. Auburn basketball and previewing this big time matchup tonight with Iowa. I'll go ahead and tell you guys right now, two things. One, we will have a post-game reaction video, win or loss, does not matter. You guys seem to like those a lot. It'll be a YouTube exclusive. We'll make sure we talk about it through pain or through through pride, whatever that looks like. Two, if you're not part of the College Loop Bracket Challenge yet on NCAA.com, make sure you are part and go sign up before noon today as the show is coming out. Go sign up. You're, you're going to get the opportunity to win four a-Day tickets, and we've got a sweet Auburn hat. You've seen Trevon Reed wear them. You've seen Cadillac Williams wear them, and every recruit that's on the planes is wearing them in the recruiting photos. We've got one. We're going to be giving it out to you guys. We're super, super excited. Make sure you're signed up for the College Loop Bracket Challenge. And without further ado, we've got Jacob Goins here on the College Loop talking Auburn basketball. Yes, now it is my pleasure to welcome in host of ESPN 106.7's On the Line, Mr. Jacob Goins, friend of the program. How are you doing today, my man? Doing fantastic, guys. Appreciate you having me back on. It's been a little bit, but I know you guys have been uh, rocking and rolling, getting getting all the biggest names in Auburn athletics and Auburn media. So uh, glad to be back. Well, some are saying that we have the biggest name in Auburn media right now. Uh, I, I, that, that's just my personal <laughs> personal thoughts on the matter. Always a pleasure to talk about I mean, Goins. And nobody yeah, knows word on the street. Uh, uh, word, uh, rumor has it we we're big believers of firing up the rumor mill here so we'll go ahead and fire it up for you and <laughs> and uh we we what, what was the what was our last one that we fired up for owen uh no for on anders uh carlson we, we fired up uh the rumor mill for the, him and nick brahms that nick brahms was actually in line for the uh interim coaching job if cadillac didn't want it ah, um so gotcha. so we we've got nick's back on that he has our endorse, endorsement 
We're here to talk Auburn hoops. It's March Madness. Uh, as this show comes out, the show's we'll pretend we're living on a Thursday right now going. So it's kind of game day uh, as, as this is this is coming out. Auburn's got a, obviously a huge matchup. Everything from here on out is winner go home. And it, and it starts with Iowa. I'm, I'm curious to get your initial thoughts. I know we've got some kind of nitty gritty questions and details for you. How did you like the draw uh, in terms of from an Auburn perspective? And and uh, how, how much do you like the matchup uh, overall? You know, going into uh, going into the SEC tournament with Arkansas and Auburn both being projected as those nine seeds, I made a statement on my show, and, and I believed it, that neither one of those teams would drop in the NCAA tournament given how, however the SEC tournament played out, whether whoever won or lost that original matchup with Auburn-Arkansas and however far they went or how little they went. Um, I said that both teams would be a bare minimum nine seed and could only go up from there. And it turns out that's what happened, right? It turns out that Auburn is a nine seed. Uh, I was a little worried that they may get the 10 seed, but then I started to talk myself into, well, a 10 seed may not be all that bad, but nine seed ends up being what Auburn gets. They're up against the eight seed at Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, the only bad part is if you do win that first round game, you all know you have to go and play the one seed out of that. Thankfully for Auburn, I think they got the weakest one seed in the field. And so I uh, can't look ahead to Houston just yet, but Iowa brings a very interesting matchup for Auburn. Uh, they can score with anybody in the country. They are, I mean, they can put up 90 on you if they really want to, but they can also give up 90. And so that's what Auburn has to figure out how to adjust to that is Iowa can score, but they're going to give up as many points as you want. And so we all know Auburn's strength is defense. Their weakness has been the offensive side of the floor. And so it'll bring a very interesting matchup uh, with Bruce Pearl and Auburn on Thursday. So going, sorry, Hector. Oh, you, I was going to say, I actually don't hate the take that Houston's the weakest one seed. I've kind of talked myself into that. Daniel, go right ahead. So, um, Jacob, what is the ideal kind of offensive strategy that if you could talk to Bruce Pearl right now and be like, all right, coach, this is what you got to do to put points on the board. What are you going to say? Daniel, I wish I've had that opportunity years ago to sit down one-on-one with Bruce Pearl and talk to him about his offense because, look, I don't know more than he does. There's a reason he's a Hall of Famer and I get paid to talk about him as a Hall of Famer. Uh, But if I could talk to him coming into this game – Game one of the NCAA tournament where Harrison mentioned it's win or go home at this point. You've got to run through your best offensive players. And those two guys are Janai Broom and Jalen Williams. And you have to go through Janai Broom, who has to play to his size. He has to play bully basketball and not get bodied down low by bigger guys. One good thing about Iowa, they're not a huge team. They're an average-sized team. They have nobody that's going to match Jani Broom or overmatch Jani Broom. And I think that is a really important factor for Auburn. I think it's something they need to they need to go to him every single time. And I've said it all year long, gentlemen. I've said that Jani Broom is a or should be a walking double-double. He should have no less than 10 points, 10 rebounds every time he touches the floor. Now, that doesn't always happen. But that's the situation. That's how good he is. And that's what he brings to this team and what he brings to college basketball. So I think you have to work through Janai Broom. And I also think you have to work through Jalen Williams, who is your best shooter on this team. Now, we have learned about Jalen Williams. Unfortunately, I, I don't know him like this personally. All I know is what we see on the basketball floor and what he tells us in the media. But Jalen Williams, unfortunately, at times, he lacks that 
alpha dog in him. He lacks that want of the basketball, that want to shoot the ball, that wants to be that dude. And what is unfortunate about that is he is that dude. And he's the best athlete on the floor. He's the best player on this team, and it's not even close. He just doesn't know it. And I would tell Bruce Pearl, I'd say, you've got to get into Jalen Williams and tell him, dude, you can go off for 25 anytime you want. I mean, he is that good, guys. We've seen him shoot it from outside effective. He's the best three-point shooter Auburn has. He's the best inside player that Auburn has. And besides Alan Flanagan, he's the best athlete that Auburn has. And I think if you combine all of that, Bruce Pearl needs to go to him more. I don't care if he wants the basketball or not. He had a quote in a couple of weeks ago that really disappointed me saying that he didn't want to go into the basketball game. He would rather Chris Moore stay in the game because he was playing better. I don't like that, but it is what it is. But I think if I could talk to Bruce Pearl, I'd say you've got to feed Janai Broom. He should have no less than 20 points, 10 rebounds on Thursday in this game today against Iowa. And Jalen Williams has to touch the basketball every single time down the floor. I think if you do those two things, you're in a really good spot to not only beat Iowa, but try to make a run in the NCAA tournament. I think you're you're not wrong about your Jalen Williams assumption. I'm going to be a little critical here, here going. It's, it's what we do in this, in this industry. You're, you're familiar. I'm, I'm kind of on your side. Does it not almost feel like Jay will plays scared a lot? It, it almost looks like when, when you dish him the ball in a situation where he may be manned up a little bit, he's playing hot potato and trying to dish it back to Wendell Green Jr. as soon as possible. Is there a world? I mean, let's call a spade a spade right now, guys, and let's stop beating around the bush. I was defense is bad. It's it's bad. It, it is actually at, at times it, it is horrendous. And and when, at its best, it's average. There's got to be some some, I guess, formula. And I think you're kind of speaking to this point where it's got to be a confidence building opportunity for Jalen Williams, because I, first off, they're tallest player, six foot nine. No one's going to touch Auburn's height in this game. It's just not going to happen. Is there a world where Jalen Williams can kind of assert himself in this game and say, Hey, look, I can be that guy because we've really not seen him do that this year. If you take away that Mississippi state game, other than that, that Mississippi state game, I mean, he's had flashy numbers here and here and there, but he, he should be a routine 15 plus guy. I think so. I mean, there, there's the problem is though, guys, is talking about the Jalen Williams situation in particular, or talking about any problems that Auburn has, or any problems that any team has coming into the NCAA tournament. Look, it's the middle of March. Like the problems that a team has, those problems are going to remain. Like if you haven't fixed them by this point, they're not going to just magically be fixed by the first game of the NCAA tournament. I'm sorry, that's just how it is. And you know what? It happened last year with Auburn's team when they were the number one team in the country. They had problems in January. They didn't fix them, and they came back to bite them in the second round. It's the same thing with this team, guys. And, and, and when it comes to Jalen Williams, he is so good, he doesn't even know how good he is. He is unbelievably good. And I don't know where that has fallen through the cracks of nobody has told him he's that good or they are telling him and he just doesn't believe it. Because Harrison, you're exactly right. He does play scared. And a lot of times when they give him the basketball, instead of as a, a killer mentality to take it to the rack, shoot the basketball, make a play, he takes it and he's looking to pass it immediately. And that's not what you want your best player to do. And that's what's unfortunate about this Auburn team. But I, I'm not going to say that they don't figure it out in the NCAA tournament because you just never know. But other guys have to realize they are not it 
Jalen Williams is, including Jalen Williams himself. So uh, it, it it really is up to Auburn. And I, I think I've mentioned it last time I was on your guys' program about how so much more with this Auburn team than any other team I've ever watched in college basketball, it has little to nothing to do with what the opponent does and everything to do with what Auburn does. Iowa sure. is a great offensive team. They're horrible on defense. So they're not going to stop Auburn at all. Auburn's going to stop them at times. You have to limit them. I think 75 is a good number for this game in round one. I think 75 is that target number. Auburn can score 75 when they have to. They don't want to because they normally can't. But it's all about Auburn. It is every single bit to do with how does Auburn play mentally, physically, emotionally, offensively. How do they show up in Birmingham? How do they react to a whole – should be a home crowd there at BJCC. So it, it has everything to do with Auburn. And I've never seen a team like this where I can confidently say, you can take the opponent out of it and just plug in any other team. And it's still all about Auburn. So we'll see how it goes. But Jayla Williams is a huge part of that. I, before the other guys jump in real quick, and I know Dylan and, and Daniel both on the line, I would like for you to know that you're probably the most quoted person we've ever had come on this on this show. Um, we probably quote you the most because I think last time you were on the program, matter of fact, not think I know, you said this team kind of is what it is. They are who they are. That has yeah. been something that, that, to your point just now, we have kind of, Dylan and I for sure have, have kind of harped on it. Daniel also as well. We've been like, yeah, go and Jacob go and said it best. This team kind of is what it is. And if you don't figure out the tournament, yeah. So be it. Uh, Dylan, Daniel, y'all play rock, paper, scissors or something for whoever's going next. But uh, Dylan, you I've already gone. All right. That's <laughs> sick. Well, so it, to, speak, to speak to your point, Jalen Williams is very important to this Auburn team in the tournament. But I can argue that Katie Johnson might be one of the most important players to this team. So what are your thoughts on Katie Johnson and how important is it for how important is it for him to get going early on? You know, Katie Johnson is he is a massive question mark because there are times where, man, you just want to rip your hair out and you just want to say, please stop. Please stop shooting. Please yep. stop doing whatever it is you're trying to do. But you can't say that the last two or three weeks, guys. He has played the best basketball he's ever played in an Auburn uniform and probably in college basketball in general. And For sure. Look, my co-host Carter Bird and I have not been the nicest about KD Johnson at times. We have been critical of KD Johnson. I don't think it's undeserved. But here down the last two or three weeks, he's gotten all the credit he deserves and then some. I mean, he was the reason Auburn has come back in some of these games, including the game against Arkansas in the SEC tournament. So he is the only reason Auburn was in that game. And Auburn cannot expect him to do that night in and night out. There's a reason he is the sixth man and not a starting five role. Um, but I think KD Johnson is very, very important and not just him, the entire bench guys, there are so many games this year where the bench doesn't get to double digits, doesn't get to double digits. If KD Johnson has an off night, you can't count on Dylan Cardwell to score five or six points. You can't count on Trey Donaldson to score five or six points. You can't count on Lior Berman to score five or six points as big of a role as he has really etched himself into. And so you cannot count on the starters to go for double digits and get 15 plus. Now, when they do, Auburn's going to win every single time outside of Zeb Jasper, who God bless his soul. He's out there running for fun and playing really good defense. But when the four out of five starters get 15 plus Auburn's going to win every single game, but you just can't expect that. And so a guy like Katie Johnson coming off the bench, being that sixth man, being the energy that we know he is, he's very, very important. And if he can just play well, doesn't have to play great. We would take it. 
Um, but if he can just continue a good shooting performance against Iowa, and if Auburn's fortunate to get past that, uh, Katie Johnson is a massive factor in what Auburn's performance and what their outcome is in the NCAA tournament. Sure. On the on the note of Zep, Daniel, I know do you want you want to talk a little bit about Zep Jasper? Yeah. So um <clears throat> I actually have two Zep Jasper questions. The first one goes, okay. I don't know how much you've been on Twitter today, but um I have the exact quote right here. Yep. In the words of Zep Jasper, he said this. I'm actually cheering for Alabama. I want to see them win. I want to see them have success because they are another team from Alabama. What, what, what do you take of an Auburn starter saying that at this particular time? <laughs> well, it kind of goes in line with what Charles Barkley said. He said basically the same thing. I don't know if you saw that quote, but he basically said that Auburn fans should be cheering for Alabama and Alabama fans should be cheering for Auburn because both teams and fan bases will be in Birmingham. Um I don't necessarily think you should cheer for them, but I mean, if you want to, you know, it, it, both teams are going to keep up with what the other does. And look, Alabama, to, to, to go on that for just a second, they're really good guys. They're, they are a really, really good team. Uh, I think they're beatable. I think they're extremely beatable, but being the number one overall seed, they also got a pretty favorable draw and they have a really good chance to make a run in the final four. Do I think they make it all the way there? Honestly, no, I don't. I don't think Alabama makes it there. But to get to the quote of Zeb Jasper and even Charles Barkley, you won't see me cheering for Alabama. And and, <laughs> and if the players want to pull for those guys, that's on them. I would recommend they keep it to themselves. Uh, but the focus, the focus for them has got to be Iowa, in my opinion. I mean, look, Alabama's going to win their first round matchup, and Auburn is basically on a coin flip. So the Tigers got to focus on them and figure out what they got to do because. If they slip up, Iowa will beat them if they don't focus, and they'll go home, and Alabama will make a run at the Final Four. How so funny I was know. it watching that game last night where it was like the winner of this gets the opportunity to go get beat down by Alabama? Right. Congratulations on your victory. Here's Alabama where you're a 27-point underdog. Hey, why are we sleeping on Texas A&M Corpus Christi? All right? Don't sleep on my Islanders. Daniel, go ahead. I'm sorry. Do so you mean Texas A&M Community College? Now, I've heard that. T- oh, my God. Beat my head into a wall. Daniel, go ahead. The kind of on what Gones was saying there, I was talking to my dad earlier. Um, He has one of his degrees from University of Alabama, and he was a student there back when the Iron Bowl was played at Legion Field in Birmingham. So he was like, yeah, the last time both fan bases were in Birmingham at the same time, they were not loving on each other. And I just thought that was really funny and just wanted to say that. Sure. Um, but my other question about Zeb Jasper how big of an impact on this game do you think he needs to have for Auburn to move on? Well, we know that his impact is on the defensive end. I mean, there's there are games, guys, where Zeb Jasper struggles to record a stat, like literally re- struggles to record a stat. And the last game he played, his biggest stat was fouls, and he had four of them. He had four fouls and I believe an assist. So his impact is on the defensive end. That's why he's a starter. I think he's a good offensive player when he has the confidence to shoot the basketball. I wish, gosh, I wish he would put the ball on the floor and take it to the rack and and act like a guard on the offensive side. But his impact is felt on the defensive side. Uh, He's going to get the toughest matchup on that end of the floor just about every time, unless it's a big man down low. Um, So that's where his impact is felt. But, man, if he could put in seven, nine, ten points on the offensive side, get to the free throw line, knock down a three or two, and have some confidence and force some steals with some some open layups in transition, 
I mean, those are points that Auburn that Auburn needs. And those are points that Zeb Jasper scoring them, guys like Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, Alan Flanagan, uh, Katie Johnson off the bench. Those are points that those guys don't have to score. So if Zeb Jasper can put in anywhere from, I don't know, six to ten and force a couple of turnovers and shut down the opposing guard, that's where his impact is. And yeah, it's it's absolutely crucial for Auburn to move on. I don't disagree in terms of of taking care of business on the on the defensive end of the floor. I think you almost still have to limit minutes because you still got to score. And and this one could become this first round matchup specifically. Good night could really become a drag race. Uh, and, and I'm not saying Auburn's a good offensive team because I mean, go to be completely candid, I don't think they are. As a matter of fact, no. I know they're not. But no. uh, with a, with a really really crummy defense. Now, and I I say this, Iowa will probably run a two three zone and shut everybody down. Just from me saying this, so Auburn fans, I apologize in advance. But it, this one really could become a drag race, and I don't think you can afford to play Zepp a ton of minutes in that kind of scenario. Now, if it's close, like a seventies game, you can you know, seventy point range, you, you can keep them in. But it's it's one of those uh, where where you're curious ceiling and floor goings for 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 Auburn basketball. Mm. And just to chime in here, I also agree. I think Alabama's out in the elite eight. But on the Auburn, from the Auburn perspective, keep things Auburn centric. We don't want the the Bammers to think the barn has them on their mind. Um, where where could Auburn find themselves if if things go, let's call it miraculously perfect? And and where 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 can Auburn find themselves if uh, if if things go horribly wrong? Well, given Auburn's draw, right, you know, I talked about them being a nine seed. You get the eight seed Iowa. Uh, historically, uh, in case you guys didn't know or any listeners didn't know, historically in the NCAA tournament, the nine seed actually has a winning record over the eight seeds uh, in the NCAA tournament. So keep that in mind when you're filling out brackets or if you're, you know, trying to hope on Auburn to win this thing. Nine seeds have a winning record over eight seeds. And so um, that is in Auburn's favor, but history has nothing to do with this game. History doesn't mean anything in the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, because it's so wide open. It's so hectic. And this year will be even crazier. This will be probably the wildest NCAA tournament we've seen in our lifetimes and maybe in the history of the tournament. But the ceiling and floor for Auburn, and I'll start with the floor, it's literally Thursday. It's today. It's the game against Iowa. I mean, there is a there is a, a a good chance that Auburn loses against Iowa because they can't find a way to stop them. The Hawkeyes have so many offensive weapons. Uh, the size is not killer, but they create their own shots. They can shoot the three, and they just run such good offense that Auburn may not be able to keep up with it for 40 minutes. And so the floor, unfortunately, guys, is the first round against Iowa. Now, to get to the positive side of it, the ceiling for this team, believe it or not, given their draw, given the teams in their bracket, and given how I feel about some of their teams in their bracket, the absolute ceiling for this team is the Elite Eight. And I know that's kind of crazy. I know that it is not – it's not a popular pick. I probably wouldn't put your life on it, but – Given that Auburn is a defensive team and Iowa can't stop, uh, they could stop a toddler if they wanted to. <laughs> um, if Auburn can find a way, if Auburn can find a way to score, they'll beat Iowa, and I'm confident that Auburn does. I have Auburn beating Iowa uh, eight times out of ten, probably. Then that matchup with Houston, more than likely. Which, by the way, if there is a one seed to lose in the first round, it will be Houston to lose to the Northern Kentucky Norris. I'm not 100 saying it's going to happen. But I'm trying to speak it into existence. So if you want to get on that train, I wouldn't be against it because no, I we can, love, we can. 
We can cut the show where you can say I'm 100%. You hear go and say I'm 100% it's going to happen, right? Like we can we can cut Oh that. yeah, I can definitely do that. <laughs> well, look, I've already been I've already been on the air multiple times talking about it. So, um I I lo- look, I love that Northern Kentucky team. I really do. I love them a lot. Um and I don't like Houston, but it, I don't like Houston as a team. I'm not saying I don't physically like them. I just don't like <laughs> how they play and how they're coming into the tournament. Uh, but they are getting healthy. And so to to go on the historic side of things, Houston will win that matchup. But Auburn against Houston could be okay. Um, and again, it all has to do with Auburn. Like Houston's a great offensive team. They're a one seed for a reason. Um, if Auburn can find a way to stop them on the defensive side and figure out a way to get production from the bench and continue what has been a very hot streak of shooting. They've been one of the best shooting teams in the country, guys, over the past few weeks. And so if they can continue that into the NCAA tournament, I think the ceiling, the highest possible ceiling for Auburn is an Elite Eight because you get Iowa, you get more than likely Houston, and then you're trying to play somebody like Indiana or Drake, Miami, where you're going to match up pretty well with them defensively. Uh, But I think once you if you were to get to that elite eight, I think it'll be Texas or Xavier. I really like Xavier from the Big East. I think they're they're my pretty popular um, final four team out of this bracket. I just don't think Auburn has the guys and has the, the, the steam to get that far. So absolute ceiling elite eight. The floor is the first round. I think Auburn makes it to the round of 32. I think they beat Iowa and I think they just fall short against Houston. Kind of in that same boat. Daniel, I know you had some a couple a couple more. Yeah, just a comment real quick, Goins. I don't know if you knew this. I grew up a huge Indiana Hoosiers fan. So if we end up yeah. playing them in the Sweet 16, that would be a very, very tough day for me. Obviously, we would be rooting for Auburn because that's where the tuition money goes. But it would be interesting. And um, my final question is, what are your thoughts on um, Kelvin Sampson complaining about having to play in Birmingham when the Final Four is literally in Houston? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, look, as a one seed, um. There was a, there was an argument for them to be the overall one seed. There were people that were um, they were upset that Alabama was the overall one seed and not Kansas, Purdue, even that Houston team. Um, but look, I think with the way that conference tournaments went, the fact that Houston, a shorthanded Houston team, uh, got it handed to them by Memphis. The fact that Purdue had to fight it out against or against uh, Penn State. In their Big Ten championship, they won it by two. Uh, a sneaky good Penn State team, by the way. They don't meet Texas A&M, but they are I like good. that team. Um, I like that team. They're, they're good. Don't get me wrong. They are very good, and they they battled with Purdue. But the Boilermakers won their conference championship game by two. And you also have the fact that Kansas got uh, just dragged up and down the floor by Texas by 20 in their conference championship game. So Alabama deserved the, the number one overall seed, which played into Houston having to play in Birmingham. Um, look, I'd be upset too. I would, I would be upset about it from Houston's point of view. You're having to play, look, you get the 16 seed, but then you're having to play what is going to borderline be a road game. And I get it. I get the frustration, but at the end of the day, just play the team in front of you, like just suck it up, play and go. And, and yeah, like you said, Daniel, the, the final four is in Houston, um, and, and Houston has a, a, a good chance to get to that final four in their hometown. And so if they make it there, they'll be fortunate to play in front of a bunch of home fans. But this is the NCAA tournament, and it's a it's a freak accident that, that Auburn and Alabama are playing in Birmingham. And so I just say suck it up and play. All right, Goins, last question for you. And this one's, this one's not Auburn-related. This is important. Are we going to – can we get the sneak peek of the Jacob Goins final four? 
Oh, my final is that, four. Is that, is, that the, is, that, is that locked behind closed doors? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not locked behind closed doors. So uh, I have uh, – we'll just kind of move from each, each little um, section of the bracket. In the top left, up there in the south, I have Arizona. I have Arizona making the Final Four, beating Alabama in the Elite Eight. Um, I still think Alabama is beatable. <laughs> That's what they say, man. That's what they say. Um, I have Arizona uh, in the Final Four, beating Alabama in the Elite Eight. Um, I think Alabama is beatable. Uh, they're young, man. That that's the biggest thing. They're young. They're very, very talented. They've got the best player in college basketball and Brandon Miller, and they are a really, really good team, but they're young. And I think experience and seniority and elite guard play is what gets you far in the NCAA tournament. I'm going to take the two-seeded Arizona Wildcats. I'm also going to take out of the, uh, the next segment, I'm going to take Marquette, the two-seed out of uh, that bracket. I love this Marquette team, guys. Love, love, love this Marquette team. And I've been going back and forth between them and Duke. But for you guys, I'm going to give you Marquette. Uh, they are an underrated team. Nobody's giving them any love at a two seed. Uh, they are probably out of the 50 brackets I've filled out. They are my most popular uh, national championship pick. And so Marquette out of that region as a two seed. Then uh, I told you that I really, really liked Xavier. I have them coming out of Auburn's bracket up there. I like the three-seeded Xavier. Um, I think they play a really good brand of basketball. They're tough. They're built. Uh, they are battle-tested coming out of the Big East, the second-best conference in college basketball. And I really like Xavier uh, to, to get to the Final Four. And then out of the West, this one, this is my chaotic bracket. In the first couple of rounds, I've got absolute chaos going on down here, guys. Iona's, Iona's going to beat UConn. VCU's going to beat St. Mary's. Gonzaga makes it to the second round, but then they lose to the TCU Horn Frogs. Northwestern is going to win and get to the Sweet 16 because they're not going to play UCLA. The 15-seeded UNC Asheville, they beat UCLA in the first round. You heard it here first. Wow. And so that it's is it going to happen? Yes, it is going to happen. And so... <laughs> This is the perfect bracket, actually. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to ride with me, you're more than welcome to. But, no, Northwestern makes it to the Sweet 16. Iona VCU come out of the first round. But I do have Kansas coming out of, of that of that bracket uh, and making it to the Final Four. And then I have Marquette and Kansas in my national championship game. And I eventually – I have Kansas going back-to-back -back and winning back-to-back -back national champions. As Bill Self will be back with this team, uh, he is – He's a Hall of Famer for a reason, and I have the Jayhawks going back-to-back -back in the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time, and uh, I have Kansas going back-to-back. -back. You know, you know, I love that Final Four, and, and and I respect your opinion, but you got the wrong 15-2 upset. I got I got Vermont taking Marquette down in the first round. It, so. If that happens, if that happens, man, my brackets are absolutely done because look, I've got <laughs> Kansas for this one, but like I said, I have Marquette in a lot of them. Like I love that Marquette team, but um, it, Kansas is they're they're good, man, and, and I like them to I like them to win it all. But I wouldn't be surprised if Kansas win it. I wouldn't be surprised if Marquette wins it. I wouldn't be surprised if Oral Roberts as the 12 seed goes on and wins it. Like it's it's going to be chaotic. So it should be a very fun bracket. Uh, it should be a fun March Madness. Nobody will have a perfect bracket after day one. That's my prediction. Except and, for uh, me. It should be except for you. That's right. Except for you. Um, and and it should be a lot of fun, guys. Well, Goins, thank you so much for joining the show. Uh, Nichols worth of free advice, by the way. Providence is beating UK in the first round. Lots of fun stuff. People Ooh. say the holidays. 
the ho- I have Providence in the Sweet 16, actually. A lot of people say that okay. the, the holidays at the end of the year are the most wonderful time of the year, and it's great to be with family. But damn it, March Madness is the most wonderful time of the year because if, Absolutely. Your, boss, if your boss needs a doctor's note, tell him the college loop sent you. And, That's uh, right. That's and, right. And, and enjoy the uh, – for everyone uh, everyone listening, uh, we appreciate you, Goins, for coming to talk uh, talk ball. Always great to talk with you. Plug and tell everybody where they can find your work, listen to you, love you, support you. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Goins2Jacob, G-O-I-N-S, the number two, J-A-C-O-B. Uh, you can listen to my sports talk show called On the Line on ESPN 106.7 here in Auburn. Two to four, Monday through Friday. Uh, Thursday, Friday, we'll be talking all things NCAA tournament. Games will start at 11, and they'll run all night long. And so we'll be right in the heart of it, talking about the games going on at the time, uh, going and talking about the games that are coming up. Uh, we'll talk Auburn and their performance against Iowa in the first round and hopefully predicting and talking about their uh, second-round matchup against Houston. And so, again, that's ESPN 106.7. You can go to ESPNAU.com and click on it and find it there. Listen live 2 to 4, Monday through Friday, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. And uh, if you're really interested, I call Lee Scott Athletics as well. Lee Scott Football, Basketball, Baseball. We are in the heart of baseball season. And so that's all on AU100, and that's AU100FM.com. Future College Loop Bracket Challenge winner, Jacob Goins. Thanks for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it, fellas. I appreciate the invite. Of course. Do you want to make a podcast? Well, Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily and distribute it everywhere and even earn money as well. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and literally everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it is totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, it's been so easy to get the show out to y'all. And I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to Spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Yes, big thank you to Jacob Goins, friend of the program, recurring guest, and welcome back anytime. Dude just knows ball and, and just a ton of fun to talk to. Damn good guy. Guys, we've we've I don't want to say we've beat the horse to death about men's basketball, but we've we've spent our time on men's <laughs> men's hoops very extended extensively. And and we're going to continue to do that as long as Auburn is dancing. Let's let's before we get back to the hardwood, we're we're going to talk WNIT here here in just a minute. But let's let's talk first about Auburn football uh, for, for a second. We've had spring practice going down. We've got a position breakdown today that's going to continue to be a position breakdown and something we talk about long term. We're going to talk quarterbacks today. I know we've not talked quarterbacks in a while, which is good. We've kind of spaced it out. But it's time that we we start having this conversation again because Zach Blackerby, host of Locked on Auburn and friend of the program, talked today on his show uh, about, in the past really two days, the serious nature of a po- possibility that TJ Finley doesn't transfer away from the program. And this is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into our thoughts here in a second. Guys, I think this is becoming more and more of a very legitimate possibility. It sounds like he's taking reps with the ones. It sounds like there are pretty much no givens in this quarterback room. And and we'll, we'll talk Holden Jariner in, in a little bit of a lackluster kind of disappointment to this point in the spring, still very early here in just a moment. Want to get your thoughts. We'll start with Daniel uh, about the p- potential of of. TJ Finley, if if he can actually compete for this job with Robbie Ashford, I've got my own personal thoughts, but from an, uh, an analytic standpoint, where where's your head at, Daniel? Right. So all I know is that the head coach at Southern is kicking himself right now because I'm confident that he thought that this was going to be his guy. 
<laughs> but here on the Plains, I don't think he can compete with Robbie Ashford. He couldn't last year. And whether that was an attitude problem or just he physically could not play up that Robbie standard, I think whatever it is is still here. So I think Robbie's going to be your QB1 or it's going to be someone who's not currently in the program. I think the lack of presence in the program right now is entirely plausible. Dylan, I'm going to get your thoughts real quick. And I do have an interesting, uh, I guess, spin zone that the Zach Lacker we touched on earlier today. And I thought it was a good point. But for your first off, your your thoughts about where your head's at when somebody says TJ Finley may not transfer away from the program. Uh, I shudder a little bit because I have had, I've said TJ Finley was going to transfer out of this program. Probably not even a month after he got here. I did not, I was not really high on TJ Finley. Uh, and I, I kind of thought whenever Zach Calzada got here, I was like, okay, cool. So we don't have Zach, I don't, we don't have TJ Finley on the field anymore. And I know it's kind of like my fanboy coming out of me a little bit, but from what I watched from TJ Finley last season, uh, it's not good. And I trust, <laughs> I trust you freeze's ability to, to develop quarterbacks. And I, it, when I look at a quarterback that he can mold into, I see Robbie Ashford. I, he's a dual threat coach. Uh, he likes those quarterbacks that can run the ball. And sure. right now, the only quarterback that can run the ball on this Auburn football team is Robbie Ashford. I've spoke, I'm very high on Robbie Ashford's ability. I think he's raw talent. Uh, TJ Finley, I think we've seen what we what we have of him. I've not been impressed with what I've seen. His best performance was against Georgia State in a game where he was the only new leg in or new arm in there out of the entire – both teams who played for three and a half quarters – Sure, I I don't think TJ Finley is going to be the guy. I think he I think he's gone. I, I I tend to agree with you, but there's a big caveat here. First and foremost, Auburn's got to get somebody in the portal that they think can start or can can jockey for that starting job. And and I'm be honest, that, that name list is short right now, and, and and it's not from lack of us trying to find people. It's from lack of rumors. The rumor mill is just pretty quiet right now. And, and, and we really have not heard a lot about who that guy could be, but I'm not necessarily opposed to listening and, and hearing people out uh, on thoughts on that matter. Something that Zach Blackerby mentioned in regards to TJ Finley, and, and I, th- I thought it was a very interesting point here. The offensive line, I think we expect to be, and we've talked about this in, in pretty, pretty in depth here on the college loop, light years better than a year ago. If you look from just a purely analytic point and just a breakdown about where where mechanic mechanically these quarterbacks are different Robbie Ashford's probably better than TJ Finley at throwing the deep ball TJ Finley's probably better than Robbie Ashford at at, at mid short to mid-range passes I mean that's just a fact I, I, I let's look where Robbie Ashford struggled this past year and it was it was that intermediate pass game more so say, to the to that point with analytics TJ Finley did not play the best of competition whenever he was the quarterback I don't disagree I don't disagree. I'm just I'm I'm playing devil's advocate here, and and I like I said I I, I don't want to put words in Blackerby's mouth. Zach Blackerby's not saying he thinks that TJ Finley is going to be the starting quarterback for Auburn, but he brought up a really good conversation and and something that I don't think we've talked about enough. If TJ D- Daniel, I I'm not entirely sure that with a clean slate and 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 what a lot of people still think they may be able to get out of TJ Finley. You look at his frame as as a coach and you salivate. And, and, and you wonder, can, can I coach, can I fix this guy? I think there's been two different coaches that think they could. I don't know that Hugh Freeze is going to make the third, the, be the third on that list. But from a passer standpoint, you may, am I, am I crazy? You may give the advantage to TJ Finley. You're not crazy. Um, however, I still don't necessarily agree. I sure. feel like it's mainly that 
Uh, just neither one's a real great passer because like, I'm not going to come on here and vouch for TJ Finley. I'm just I'm not. Fine. Um, and Robbie, even though like the passing talent's not where it should be, that doesn't mean it can't get there. Agreed. Like like Dylan said, Hugh Freeze has been great at developing these dual threat quarterbacks. Like look at Malik. Uh, can't talk. Look at Malik Willis, man. Like he was incredible. But at the same time. Look at what he did with Bo Wallace at Ole Miss in 2014. Like, he turned a guy who, you know, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn into an absolute stud. Sure. So, I mean, maybe. It's it's entirely plausible. Dylan, I know that you're – you're we're, we're very much – I'll go and say we're a pro-Robbie Ashford podcast. And and as the as the depth chart stands right now, I, I'm going to go and speak on behalf of all of us. I, I think that we're in the same boat here. If before this this podcast, if you would have asked me, and I think we're still on the same page, Robbie Ashford QB one. If if nothing changes here, if nothing changes, Robbie Ashford QB one, Holden Jariner QB two, Hank Brown QB three, uh, Sawyer Pate returning the, to the program QB four, and TJ Finley out out the door. That sounds like that could change, which I think would probably demote Hank Brown. In my opinion, he's just kind of been lost in the sauce and all of this. But someone that's been underwhelming this spring. And and this is just in the in the small clips we've seen, not from the Auburn football page, but from actual film. I'm not I'm not just pulling stuff out of my butt here, but Holden Jariner, from all accounts, has been underwhelming uh, in 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 spring ball, which is Dylan and my crazy surprising. I think that we all thought he's probably the best passer on this team. Uh, it is a little surprising, but you have to remember he didn't have a lot of. He's the Brian Harson quarterback. That's that's what I'm gonna go. He's the Brian Harson guy through and through, pro style. Hugh Freeze doesn't really utilize the pro style quarterback anymore, sure. especially in today's today's football world is evolving. If you can't run as a as a quarterback, you're gonna fall behind. That's where I, that's like my downfall. My down downfalls with like T.J. Finley and whatnot. But Holden Jarrett is less of a runner than T.J. Finley is, uh, and he might be a little bit of a better passer. But with this new scheme coming in, he's a young guy who only knew once. He did. He probably didn't even know the whole Brian Harson scheme. And he has to come in back to spring with a whole new outlook on how to play college football. He has a whole new staff around him, and the offense looks a little bit different, different guys on the offensive line all around it. I think it's just an age thing. You don't expect the, expect a second-year guy uh, or freshman still to perform better as a redshirt. I mean, the last time we saw someone do something like that was Johnny Manziel and – Holden Jarrett, sorry if you're a Holden Jarrett or truth out there. He's not Johnny Manziel. Sure. Uh, it's going to take him a little bit to find a groove, but, I mean, if T.J. Finley stays, there's not a – I don't think there's a not a world out there where Holden Jarrett is not on the team anymore. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree. Daniel, with Walker White, the presumptive quarterback of the future, coming in in, in 2024, and, and I think I'm going to go and speak on my own part. Y'all can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm very, very high on this kid. I think yeah. he fits. I think he fits the free system perfectly. Kid damn near, damn well might be a five star coming out of high school when it's all said and done. What is the incentive for Holden Jarner to stay? Uh, I struggle to find one, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't think he'll leave this year, but next year, it, like let's say Robbie's the starter. Robbie is a good year. Um, let's say TJ hangs around, just kind of does what TJ does. Um, 
And then, like, the next year, um, I believe Walker White will probably be here for spring ball in 24. Yeah, he'll, he should be an early enrollee. <laughs> okay. And then I think that's about the point where you would see Jaron leave. Sure. I, I, I would, I would assume that, that if, if Jaron is not at least QB two this year, which it's sounds like that might not be the case. And as, as unfortunate or unfortunate as that may be, I think that's probably just the way things are going to shake out. If it's TJ or if it's somebody else, I don't know that there's a world we're holding Jariner's QB2. So something to monitor going forward for sure. Let's let's jump back to the hardwood real quick. And Daniel, you're you're gonna get a gauntlet here because we've got women's hoops and gymnastics going back to back. And uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna put the ball on the tee and let you let you speak your truth. Women's hoops is going to host Tulane tomorrow night at seven, right, Daniel? Correct. Seven, uh, 7 p.m. at the Nev in the first round of the WNIT, the women's national invitational tournament. And there are question marks around the program uh, from that we've heard about strengths uh, in terms of how strong Auburn's going to be in terms of availability. And that, that's neither here nor there. We really don't want to speak on that matter right now, Daniel. But your outlook, if, if, if Auburn's, uh, with what you know about the program, how does Auburn stack up here? And 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 really, how how did the Tigers get out of the first round of the WNIT? Which I think if you get out of the first round, you've, you've had a successful season. I agree. And I feel like if you get out of the first round, it's going to be because you're relying on the experience you've gained from playing in the SEC. Sure. I, I feel like that's really what kind of sets them apart here, especially, you know, not a real time of peace in the program at the moment. Um, So just kind of, I don't know. I, I You've got to get out and you've got to have a hot start because we've seen this team come back, but the way things are right now, I don't think that's on the cards. So if they just come out flat, I think that's it. I I don't disagree, but your 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 key to success, just like always, and regardless of the situation or whatever may or may not be going on uh, in in the women's basketball room, is the getting the ball to Aisha Kula while inside. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, using Utilizing your last games of, of honesty, Scott Grayson, of Sanaya Wells, of Marshawn Bostic, the people that are the Greek gods of getting to the free throw strike and, and and making Tulane pay. It's it's something to monitor. I think that Auburn very well could get out of the first round of the WNIT. I, I actually expect them to. And and at that point, I think it's a successful season. So um, second year under, under Coach Jay, uh, obviously we already gave her an A, a rating. On, on the season report card, something to uh, to definitely check out. If you're on the planes this week, pack the Nev. I mean, this this team's been working their tail end off, and, and these girls are definitely deserving. Let's keep talking about women's uh, women's athletics real quick, and let's talk gymnastics. Daniel, you told us earlier in the week that SUNY Lee is more than likely not going to be able to compete in the SEC championship this weekend. Unfortunate news for the Tigers. There's still a window. You said it, it's possible, but it's going to take a team effort. What are you looking for? Who are you looking to step up in this weekend? Um, You know, you need Cassie Stevens, you need Darion Goborn, uh, Olivia Hollingsworth, Aria Brush. All of your depth that has been so, so, Sophia Gray. All of your depth that's just been so good and so important this year, you need them now more than ever. So it's going to be a huge depth meet, your your biggest depth meet yet, I think. Um, and that's just what you're relying on. You have a pick to win the SEC uh, championship if it's not Auburn. I, I personally, I think it's Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, okay. So I'm not. I'm not crazy. Uh, Dylan, you, you in agreement? Probably Florida and Tr- Trinity Thomas. Yeah, I mean, more than likely Florida. She's just unreal. LSU could be a sneaky pick. 
Sure, sure. absolutely. And uh, if, if there's a, there's a handful of teams in the SEC that if, if they play their cards right, it's kind of an open open contest here. But I, I like Florida a lot in this one. And unfortunately, I don't necessarily love Auburn's chances without Sunisha Lee just because she's that X factor. I do think they'll be fine next year, even post her departure, post the departure of Darion Goborn, Cassie Stevens, the whole nine. I think that Auburn's going to be okay. Uh, they're they're going to be still competing at a high level, but this weekend it's it's one of those kind of you throw a wrench in your plans because you're kind of counting on her to be there. Let's pivot over to the diamond real quick. Talk Auburn baseball. Wow, um, Tuesday night, yeah, that happened. Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning, uh, um, twelve innings with with Georgia Tech in in a game that I hope that both meta- teams had metaphorical designated drivers because this game was so drunk, it was unbelievable. And you ever heard of Daniel? Have you ever heard of an 11 to 11 pitcher's duel? Because we saw one last night. Uh, no, no. When, when I think of pitcher's duel, I think of like four to three or something like that. Yeah. Late inning surge. Yeah. Something like two to one, something like that. No, we had an 11 to 11 pitcher's duel until Auburn eventually walked it off 12, 11. And uh, Dylan, you and I talked about it earlier today on the Auburn daily show, or excuse me, yesterday on the Auburn daily shows. So make sure to go check that out. If you want more in-depth analysis of Auburn baseball's win over Georgia tech, your takeaway is, Dylan, uh, of, of yesterday's victory for Auburn over Georgia Tech. And uh, you know what? At some point, a win is a win is a win is a win. So your, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I just think it, was, it showed a lot of resilience from the team. I, I saw this team who the fielding was just terrible. They getting lit up by Georgia Tech for the first six innings where it got down to 7-0. At one point, Auburn brought it back somehow in the bottom of the sixth inning where they put up five unanswered runs. Uh, which was wild to me. It was 11 to six going into the bottom of the sixth inning and Auburn tied the game. And then no one scored a run for the next three and a half innings until Brody Wortham stepped up for his first AB of the night and hit a walk-off single to get Justin Kirby back home. For those of you uh, curious, if no one could hit, there were 42 combined hits in this game between both teams. <laughs> Yeah, and no one could not hit, but also no one could score in the past, in the last three and a half innings. Pretty much. But yeah, the overall, I, the pitching uh, rotation's got to get healthy. But I mean, you're not putting in your best guys right now. Uh, that's coming up this Friday. Yeah, Connor Copeland got lit up, which not great for Auburn. I thought Tommy Vale looked fine. I mean, he gave up a couple in the first inning. Yeah, yeah. that that's going to happen this weekend. Auburn's got to head to Fayetteville starting on Friday at six thirty p.m. Central. They've got to take on Arkansas, and uh, that is not for the faint of heart, Daniel. Jogo supposedly uh, possibly going to be able to throw this week, so Gonzalez is going to throw a bullpen. He'll be day-to-day. My educated guess, I have no reason to think this, but like no no sources on this. My, my educated guess would be he'd be a Saturday or Sunday throw if he throws mm-hmm. a bullpen. Just makes sense on the rest. You would think Tommy Vale is going to get extended innings this weekend, especially after pulling him after one on Tuesday. And uh, uh, Hayden Mullen should should see action. And you you know that she uh, excuse me, uh, uh, John Armstrong will probably throw two different games uh, if if you can throw them. I think Saturday, Sunday, maybe Friday, depending on how, where his arms at. Dylan, go ahead. Sorry. And uh, just still notice Cole Foster is a maybe for that yeah, one. Uh, Cooper McMurray is a definite out, I believe, and Bello is still out. Not Mike Bello. Bello. Yeah, is it Bellow or my Bellow is going to be also? It's it's doubtful. Listed as yeah. doubtful for this weekend. Daniel, just just real quick before we jump over to softball and get out of here, can Auburn win this series of Fayetteville this weekend? You're muted. muted. 
Hey, hey, Daniel, you're uh, you're still muted. <laughs> That's on me. Um, <laughs> so you're deafened too. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, I don't think so. Uh, the bullpen saw a lot of action Tuesday night, and I know you have like three days of rest, but I don't know. The team's beat up. Uh, Chris Stanfield might be hurt. I don't know if y'all mentioned him when you were running through. We it. did not, but yes, Stanfield's listed as questionable as well. Yeah. So I'm afraid this might be like the 2021 season where pretty much every player gets hurt. So hopefully, hopefully not. I know. I know. <laughs> don't say that. Knocking on wood, but goodness, man, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, Dylan, I think you're on the same page. I think if Auburn can steal one this weekend, you're in decent shape uh, going forward. Yeah, taking taking one in a uh, hostile environment that is Arkansas especially in baseball, uh, I think that taking one game is perfectly fine. You just get everyone healthy. Yeah, and and, and kind of survive advance. That that would put you at uh, 14 and 5, 14, 5 and 1 on the season. You'd be in decent shape. Auburn is dead last in power rankings right now for the SEC, and I expect them to climb. I think they're a better team than that. But right now, priority numero uno, get healthy. Another team that's got a test this weekend, softball. They have got a gauntlet at the Oklahoma fa- <laughs> Hall of Fame schedule. They get Weber State as their little warm up, get right, get right, get get poised to to take care of business after losing, dropping your last two against Georgia. No midweek games. Then you get Northwestern, Northwestern, Oklahoma, Oklahoma. Jesus Lord, guys, if Auburn gets out of this, I'm going to ask you both the same question. If Auburn gets out of this weekend with blank number of wins, they've succeeded. Go ahead, Dylan. Three. Agree, Daniel. Um. Hmm. Honestly, if you if you t- if you take one against Oklahoma, I think you're in good shape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if if it's three and you take one from Oklahoma, great. Uh, if it's two, and or if if it's the bare minimum, your three's got to be Weber State Northwestern sweep. Oklahoma is one of those teams that you, you got to play your best softball, and that's on a yearly occasion. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll see. Maddie Penta uh, seems seems completely healthy. Shelby Low looks healthy. She got lit up a little bit against Georgia Tech. May have just needed to get around, uh, knocked around a little bit, and learn how to get hit a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And Annabelle Wydra, she's she's been there. The big question, guys, can Auburn get on base against this Oklahoma def- uh, this Oklahoma rotation? And I know that we never thought we'd ask this, but the offense has been suspect, Daniel. Yeah, um, it hasn't been what it's been the first couple weeks of the season. Hopefully that changes. Um, it's going to take a lot this weekend. You probably need five or six at least to beat Oklahoma. Sure. Um, Definitely. Just because they have so much offensive firepower. And also really good pitching. And really good everything because they're just that team. Yeah, I mean, so, they're they're the giant. You have your work cut out for you for sure. Certainly. Dylan, the takeaways or, I guess, thoughts for this weekend. Key players not named Briellis or Matty Penta. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, 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 just being candid here. I'll, I'm, I'll probably go Aspen Godwin. Thoughts? Uh, I'll take uh, Nelia Peralta. Yeah, that would be uh, my second pick. She, she performed pretty daggum well. I mean, Auburn hit what three home runs that first game against Georgia, uh, and a game that just was a misnomer compared to the. Uh, that's not the right word. I feel like, but it might be. Uh, it's just a, just a weird game. Out if you watch the last two of them, because Auburn came out. Swinging, I think Nelia Peralta sure. hit the hit a home run in the second pitch of the game. She's the hottest hitter on this team. Yes, uh, I I think getting her started off hot again will would be huge. And that person I'm going to look at, I'm going to look towards the outfield a little bit. Uh, let's see, uh, Lindsey Garcia is my other one. Don't disagree, Daniel. If you want to. 
throw one player out there that you're that you're watching this weekend. It can be someone we already named. It can be it can be Bree or or or, or, or the Pentagon, whatever you want to go with. I wasn't I was just being facetious there. And then go ahead and tell us where we can we can find you. Love you, support you. Um, I'm gonna go Aspen Godwin as well. I like that a lot, and I think a big weekend from her will really really help Auburn's chances. You can follow me on Twitter at Daniel J Locke. All my written work is for the Observer or any Auburn student media outlet. With that, I pop off and get on another podcast. Both guys have a great night. War Eagle, everybody. Have a good one, Daniel. Enjoy WWEGL. I am Harrison Tar at by Harrison Tar on Twitter. If you want to read my written work, you can find it at the Auburn Daily. You got NFL draft stuff coming up, women's basketball stuff coming up, baseball. Gonna have a little Braves content coming your way here in the very, very near future. If you're a Braves fan, make sure to follow along, like I said, at Twitter on my on my Twitter at by Harrison Tar. You can also find more of my podcasting work. Dylan, as he's throwing up the LA Dodgers sign, that guy can kiss my rear end. If you want to find more of my podcasting work, you can listen to me every Wednesday and Friday, not Friday this week, just because I have to be out of town, but Wednesday and Friday on the Auburn Daily Show, Wednesday with the dangerous Dylan Lark and the and Friday with the legendary Lindsey Crosby, big alliteration guy over here. Make sure if you're watching the YouTube version, make sure you like, subscribe and ring the bell. You won't you don't want to miss any of this content we got coming up. We've got a ton on our plate and I'm not being facetious. Like I said, we've got a lot of exciting stuff coming up here on the college loop. That's every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. Like I said, Enjoy the March Madness games tonight, guys. We will have a post-game reaction regardless, win or loss. So we will we will hash out the details and make sure you guys are looped in on that front. And it will be as timely as we can possibly make it. Dylan, it's been a pleasure as always. Got to talk a lot of ball with you today. I know that your voice is so ready for rest. So I'm going to let you go ahead and get this one out of here. Thank you guys so much. Make sure you follow along and anywhere that you want to you find your podcast. Make sure you leave a five-star review and like and subscribe. You heard it there first. Uh, my name is Dylan Lark at your boy the tank on Twitter. That's at Y A B O I the tank. Also, catch me on the Auburn Daily Show every Monday with Lance Daw and Wednesday, of course, with Harrison Tar, and maybe a couple of Friday episodes sprinkled in just because you never know. But also follow the cards loop literally everywhere that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, that's Amazon Music, that's Google Podcasts, and social medias. You can find us on YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram and Facebook, but sadly we are not on MySpace <laughs> yet. But with that being said, this is the Codulu Podcast.